It's the True Penny Show with your host, James True Penny. Hello and welcome to the True Penny Show. My name is James True Penny. This is my show. And so far today, oh, so far today, so far recently, we've been talking about 1999 in the Beginner's Guide to Japanese Wrestling. And it's all been very depressing as we've had Giant Baba die. FMW being not very good. So I wanted to bring you something with some joy, tinged with sadness. And to join me on this epic journey today is Mr. John Dinsdale of Steel Chair Wrestling Magazine. How are you, sir? I'm not too bad. We watched some impressive Joshi action and yeah, kind of ready to talk about it. Indeed. So what we're going to talk about is uh, our return trip to ASEAN. Hyper Fighting Visual Arts. No, Hyper Fighting Visual... I can't remember what it was called. Hyper, fight- hyper Visual Fighting and Hyper Fighting Visual Arsion. That's it. Literally, possibly, my favourite all-time promotion. Because... I at least the two we looked at this time didn't have a funny name. <laughs> two. They weren't talking about virgins. Um... And we've got two shows from 1999, one from March and one from April, I think. Both from Currican Hall, which was Arsene's major arena. And they really kind of showcase what was great about Arsene at the time. We also have a couple of singles matches to talk about um, and a retirement so soon into the very short life of Arsene. And perhaps one of the best tag matches women's wrestling has ever seen. And a seminal feud that really put Arsion on the map. Well, we'll close the show with that. Our first show, our first uh, show is called The First Starlet. And it features Reggie Bennett versus Legat Galactica in the opening match. Now, Reggie Bennett was, of course, the big Gaijin name from Arsion at the time. Um, and by about 1999, to be honest, she kind of stripped some weight off and got leaned down. And Arsion was at this point working with battle arts quite closely. So there was a lot of cross-training between MMA, shoot-style wrestling, uh, Joshi wrestling, and of course you had Lady Fabi Apache coming in from uh, uh, Mexico, uh, from the UWA, which meant there was an awful lot of uh, pro wrestling, Lucha Libre style being mixed in there as well, which created this odd melting pot for a Joshi promotion. But let's start with this first match. We're in Arsion and we're at K Hall, the start of Tour 1999, Reggie Bennett versus Galactica. John, your thoughts? Well, this was just a murder. I think it lasted about 30 seconds on the video clip we watched. And it's just Reggie <laughs> Bennett killing La Galactica, who unfortunately gave me flashbacks to the alien death match. <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't think La Galactica was the original La Galactica of the 1970s AJW fame, who was a badass who beat Jackie Yukota for the uh, WWWA Championship in a hair versus hair match in 1979. I don't think it was her. Um, it was very, very sure. It doesn't really showcase what Arsion's about. So, yeah, so this match with Amika Kido, Kido and Hiromi Yagi. What do you think of this, John? Yeah, this was pretty much what you'd come to expect. It's about six minutes or so of just them trying to kill each other with submissions. It's really fun. 
it is right from the very period of time when the battle arts uh, dojo was very much mixed in with the um, ASEAN dojo. They were training, the ASEAN crew were training at um, at the battle arts dojo like twice a week. And they were getting full-on shoot-style experiences, which kind of give this match a lot of its edge, to be honest with you. Um, and Miki Kaeda... So it feels like a shoot style young lions match just because of the energy in it. It is. I mean, um, it's uh, it's really an interesting kind of fight, and it is kind of like the very match based, very ground based, a lot of striking involved, a lot of straight up wrestling basically. It wouldn't look out of place on a UWFI card, would it? No, it it does have that vibe to it. Yeah, very much so. Which, of course, because a lot of the guys who were involved in UWFI were involved in Battle Arts as well. In fact, it was a follow-on company. And, in fact, as we'll find out, one of the young ladies from uh, Arceon ended up marrying one of the gentlemen from Battle Arts. So they were working very closely together. Um, uh, Yes. Uh, Amika Kado... Unfortunately, this will be the last time we see her uh, because she literally passes away a month later uh, in dying from injuries in a wrestling match. Um, and uh, the next card is actually uh, a tribute card to her because uh, this was one of the... doesn't really happen very often um, in pro wrestling, um, really, in this time period because, well... Plum Marico had died a few years before, but Joshi's pretty safe compared to most of the wrestling matches, uh, wrestling companies. I can only think of two or three high-profile deaths, this being one of them. Um, and it wasn't really great publicity for the company, as you'd probably imagine, but they did do diligence and pay tribute to their young star who had really only had a couple of matches and was trying to make her way in the company. Which is, of course, sad. But there we are. Let's just move on, though. Mario Apache and Fabio Apache take on Eiko Hamada and Mika Kano. Akino, I should say. What's your thoughts on this? Because this is a whole different breed of fish, isn't it? This was amazing. Like, holy cow. Again, that, that's just me trying not to swear, as per usual. But, like, these two have... Like, these two teams have so much chemistry. There is so many cool spots and just... It's completely mental for half the match. Not to mention Mario Apache has so many submissions. She just pulls out for no reason. It's so cool. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, obviously Mar- Fabi and Mario Apache had also spent their times in uh, the Battle Arts Dojo as well, but they were also pouring in that Huevo style that we see out of uh, the... Japanese wrestlers in New Japan at the minute because they had that lot of technical Mexican-style submissions. And then you've got going up against Aoki Hamada, who is essentially half Mexican and half Japanese. Her mother was Mexican and her dad was Japanese. This is the daughter of Gran Hamada, who spent just as much time in Lucha Libre training gyms as she did in dojos. So she was like a 50-50 hybrid mix. And uh, Miki Aquino, uh, Aquino as she's known today, 
was one of the hottest young talents in the Joshi world and was very much more of a traditional Joshi wrestler. But she could fly as well. These are two very well-matched teams, aren't they? Very much so, and you get an impressive match because of it. Yeah, definitely. The speed they are going at is also kind of signature of Arceon 2. It's intense professional wrestling. And I think a lot of it comes from the fact that these were still young teams in 1999. The Apache sisters were in their early 20s. And like Fabi Apache is still a main eventer for AAA these days in their women's division. Aoki Yamada and Akino were 19, I think, 18. They were not very old at all. Um, And it was kind of part of the deal of what you do right in Joshi is push people to the main event or to higher parts on the card as early as possible to give as much experience as they can so they get that kind of poise to make them big stars. And it works. It definitely does work. This is a a really good example (laughs) of that, to be honest with you. So next up on this particular card was Rei Tamada versus Yumi Fukawa. Um, Now, this was an interesting piece of work. Rei Tamada had come across from AJW, so had Fukawa. Uh, Fukawa was no more as an actress, to be honest with you, and um, uh, a model than she was, as much as she was a wrestler at this point. And this, she kind of becomes the model kind of employee for Rossi Ogawa, who is the lead booker, uh, well, lead owner of, of uh, Arceon. And as you'll see, the next show is called First Stardom. Hmm. Wonder why that was so. John, what's your thoughts on this match? Um, a lot of it is just uh, Fukawa getting murdered, to be honest. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yep, just drop kicks, drop kicks. Yep, she's she's just being killed. <laughs> I don't know who she's pissed <laughs> off, but she's just being killed. Oh no, they're friends. No, but I don't know. Who she, <laughs> I don't know who she pissed off in the matchmaking side of things because, like, genuinely, she's taken more drop kicks than I don't know what. <laughs> I think, well, to be honest, she was kind of a young girl coming up at the time, and Tamara was the established. Uh, draw. In fact, Ritamada was not far off retirement, to be honest with you, within a couple of weeks. So, um, yeah, it was a lot of fun, the matchup, though. But Fukawa is, is, you know, she was kind of like the prototype draw for this particular uh, style of wrestling that Arceon would become. Because it was kind of a... Hmm, how can I put it? There's kind of a... The kind of style becomes essentially what not so much what stardom's based on, but certainly on stardom takes a lot of the elements of this and applies it to where it does now, doesn't it? Yeah, to a degree. It's definitely inspired by. Yeah. But the next is a bit more serious piece of business. Mariko Yoshida, who was the queen of Arceon at the time, defends her title against Michiko Omakai. Omakai... Um, came up from AJW. She kind of came up in the, the late 90s and, again, was one of those wrong place, wrong time wrestlers in the sense of she was really good. But there was an awful lot of people who were an awful lot better um, and felt she wasn't coming... Oh, sorry, it was LLPW. And felt she wasn't going the places she wanted to go. 
So LLPW are tend to be shoot style brawlers. So she was well matched for Arcyon. <laughs> she moved over and was pushed to the moon along with this long series with Yoshida, of which this was the blow off. And this was a cracking match. What did you think of this, John? Yeah, as you said, this is great. Again, it's more of that signature Arcyon style with two women who, again, just seem determined to kill each other. It's what you'd want from a title fight. We have talked a lot about Mariko Yoshida before, but not in this particular context. Her biggest match would be on the biggest card of all time, tagging with Minami Toyota against Bull Nakano and Akira Hokuto at the Peace Festival in North Korea, of all places, when she was an aerial star. And then when she left AJW and got more of a chance to be herself, she turned into a ground-and-pound submission specialist. And her finisher... Um, I've forgotten the name of her finisher. Oh, what a cage match. Yes, to cage match. Um, to the uh, name of her finisher, because she invented that particular finisher, which is used by all sorts of people, like Eli Drake, the gravy train, and Drew McIntyre, of course, current uh, WWE heavyweight champion. Um, it became, the Air Crash, that's the one I was thinking of. The Air Crash became one of the most important moves of this century to be honest with you uh, of course Chikuzichi Okada adapted it into a netbreaker it's been very very useful for an awful lot of people and she became known as one of the most innovative wrestlers in the business I think she's kind of a bit of a prototype for Zack Sabre Jr that thin wiry pure wrestling frame proved that this could be a star what's your thoughts on her John? Yeah she genuinely one of the standouts of Arceon Probably the most fun wrestler I've found watching bar the sort of last match we're going to get to. Like, she's got a very sort of signature style that you can see has influenced a lot of people in our sort of age of wrestling. The only thing I hated was her bloody entrance music sucks. And we hear it so many times. (laughs) She clearly liked it. (laughs) Um, By the way, if you've been looking at Twitter the last 24 hours or so... Michiko Omukai was the person who got her head kicked off by by for Mikiko Futigami. Um, there is a there's a famous Joshi gif of uh, Omukai laying with her head off the side of the apron and Gami just running and going hey and kicking her in the face and her neck jarring so much. He actually got picked up. Alpha female retweeted it earlier. <laughs> Quite a few other people have done. It started preparing this morning about five o'clock. Um, after it got gift, because because for some reason the whole world is watching RC in 1999 this week. Who knew? We're ahead of the game, John. We okay. knew we would do this before it was cool. What? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yesterday, and now it's cool as of this morning. So, okay, so we move on to a bit of a fun match. Aja Kong and Candy Akutsu go up against Mikiko Futagami, her of the head kickingness, and Hikari Fukuoka. Uh, in the main event of Fukuoka Retirement Road, um, because she's retiring, basically, and they had a retirement series for her. Uh, She is the one in the leopard print, if you're watching this particular series. And this was a fun matchup, but it was taken pretty seriously for a fun matchup, wasn't it? Yeah, it really had that big fight feel to it, and it had that big fight action. (laughs) I suppose it was trying to give her a proper high-quality send-off. 
Definitely, for sure. I mean, Fukuoka was another AJW wrestler. Um, she was known as the Wrestling Leopard, hence the reason why she always wore leopard print. Um, and she kind of did well in Arceon for the short period of time she was there. Um, <clears throat> I'm just seeing Aiji Kong doing a, a maneuver Suzuki doon do, the, like hold on to the hair until the referees counts and then swap hands. Yeah. Oh, she, she's proper dicking with people in this match. You can tell she's having fun. Oh, yeah. This is great. And Gammy as well, who uh, would be known as a comedy wrestler, but actually is a very good straight up fighter. Um, her work in Arceon is exemplary and shows you how good she can be. Um, and Fikoko just was great. Um, I loved her work in this match. Candy Akutsu as well, just another stellar professional wrestler. All four of these were world-class, and it was going to be a good match. They would have a very hard not to have a good match, really. Plus, uh, Candy sells to the moon. It's hilarious. She does, but that's, that's, that's kind of the things they did. That was very much AJW style at the time. You know, you're talking about Akira Okoto and Minami Toyota, who sold really really well you know uh, for me Manami Soyota sold better than anyone else has ever done in pro wrestling and that's partly because her body was able to twist and maneuver into different things different places so yeah it was um definitely interesting match candy as well is working with a twisted ankle Jeez. which is a nice selling point <laughs> well, i wonder if she's working with a twisted ankle or oh, she's working with an ankle that's heavily taped up and she limps her way through most of the match, um, which is a nice cover because they lost. And then at the end of the test of strength bit, which leads to the hair pulling. It's, it's yeah. So <laughs> I um, being top dick. It's hilarious. Gami kicking the shit out of Candy Yakutsu is like. Of course, Gami as well would have grown up with Fukuka because she was an LPW lady as well. And she joined Arceon because she wasn't having as many opportunities as she thought she could have. Also, she had, Gami had the best butterfly lock in wrestling. Where I, no, no disrespect to Yoshihashi, and we never show disrespect to Yoshihashi on this show, obviously. But the fact that her butterfly lock involved carrying the weight of the person she had the butterfly lock on will tell you how good she was. Unless she gave all that up to be a comedy wrestler. Like, it's just easier on the body, isn't it? Like, look at Tori. Yeah. Straight up shooter, but he doesn't have to be a straight up shooter because he can make big money in, like, eight-minute comedy matches. Yeah, exactly. Arguably one of the best wrestlers in the world because he does very little effort for maximum funds. Uh, at the end of this match, when um, Fukuoka and Gami win, they actually have a match with each other uh, to round out Fukuoka's career. And there's a lot of bit of shenanigans at the end. But it's all kind of in good fun, isn't it? Yeah, I got a bit confused by the ending of this. I was like, did, did they reach a time limit? What what happened? Yeah, they had, they had a 10-minute time limit draw with Gami. And then her old LLPW friends came in and they did the big send-off manoeuvres where they double-stomped Ajakon because they wanted to. Because <laughs> <laughs> she's the boss. She was, uh, you've got to bear in mind, Ajakon was actually the boss. This was her first time in charge of a company. And it's very much her aesthetic of wrestling. 
It's very much her trying to stamp her authority on what she thinks pro wrestling should be. And I think that's really important to understand. Yeah, we covered that when we last did Arceon. Yeah, definitely. So we move on to the next show, uh, which was uh, nine days after Amika Kado's death. Um, which is obviously kind of cast a shadow off of this entire show. It opens with a minute silence and then moves on to a tag match featuring Ajakon and La Galactica versus Fabi and Maria Pachi, which is fun for what it is, I think. Well, fun given for what the circumstances. Sorry? Fun for what they show you. Yeah, it? it's only a little short piece of it, isn't it? Yeah, it's, I think it's like two moves. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, the Apaches are just rolled up. And then, yeah. Oh, set out Michinoku Driver. La Galactica is probably dead. <laughs> yep. And then we moved on to Yumi Fakawa versus Hiromi Yagi, which is kind of more of the same, really. It's young rookie wrestlers going hell for leather. And you can't complain at that, can you? Especially not when one of them does a top rope cutter. Yes. <laughs> and Hagi does does hit Yagi, sorry, does hit really, really hard. She's stiff as houses. Um and it's there's also the, the what I like about it is people struggle in pinfalls. They just lay there. They're trying pins all the time because that's what they've been taught to do. And that's kind of very traditional Joshi style. That wheelbarrow into a German as well from uh, Fukawa was great. She's got a lot of maneuvers. They're both really well-rounded wrestlers, and they've got such poise as well for young wrestlers. You know, we see a lot of rookies today. Was just, I was discussing on the uh, today at Best of Super Juniors this morning how Master Wato doesn't really look that confident <laughs> in what he's doing at the minute, which is really unfortunate because he was main eventing at Kurokan Hall today, and you cannot be like second guessing what you're doing, or he's main eventing earlier this week, and he is doing. Uh, whereas these two look absolutely sure of everything they're going to do, and they mean it. And I think that's really important. Well, isn't it? You can be as crappy as you want as long as you do it with confidence. That that seems yeah. to be like one of the sort of cheats you can get away with in wrestling. I mean, look at early Tai Chi. Like he's come yes. a hell of a long way since then, but he could have been he could act like the worst wrestler in the pl- on the planet, but he did it in such a way that it masked that. Because you're like, okay, yeah, he sucks at this, but look at that swagger he doesn't care it's like confidence will get you out of almost anything when it comes to wrestling for sure definitely and then we have a run of matches that all feature Aja Kong Aja Kong versus Rita Mada for a start which is an interesting match and then Aja Kong versus Michiko Umaikai uh, who we talked about before he was challenging Yoshida Marika Yoshida this is a stiff old do between Ray Tamada and uh, Ajakon, to be honest with you. But there's some really good stuff in it. Yeah, What's your thoughts on this one, John? These, like, these two matches in sequence are mostly just Ajakon getting murdered. Like, yeah. Ray Tamada just lays it in continuously, going for the legs, blocking strikes, caving her head in. It's 
it's mad. And then Asha Kong <laughs> gets up and does another match after it. It's just, what? Yeah, I mean, I think the thing is, she was in the midst of trying to make people, yeah? And the more people she could make, the better off she was. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Um, oh, no. However... I wouldn't want to take that beating two matches in a row. No, that's, that's the other thing, isn't it? Uh, Tamada ends up, she I means she debuted for AJW in 1991, and she'd be with Arceon for another four or five years. Uh, but she she was another one who couldn't really crack the grade in AJW, but was still a great professional wrestler. Um, and trying a spinning back fist on Ajakon. Cheeky! But there you go, yes. To be fair, after you've dropped someone on their head a few times, I think you can attempt to copy their moves, because it's <laughs> just rock solid as Aja Kong. They're probably not going to fight you back on it, to be honest. <laughs> yes, this is true, but there we go. Uh, but yeah, no, this was really, really good. I definitely enjoyed this an awful lot. Um the next move, the next thing to look at would be the next round fight with uh, Michiki Umokai, I'll pronounce it, which was, again, stiff as houses, really, wasn't it? Yeah, it's just, instead of being dropped on her head this time, she's getting kicked in the head a lot. It's, <laughs> it's like, I know it's very rare you get the opportunity to beat up your boss, but these, pe- these two have really taken advantage of, oh, what a brain buster. Yeah, this yeah. one was a lot shorter for good reason. Just, oof. It's pretty brutal, to be honest with you. But that's what Arceon was about. It was brutality. We will talk very much about brutality later on in this particular oh. set of videos. However, this was this was hardcore, proper hardcore stuff. Um, the next matchup, because, I mean, well, I mean, obviously the... Kong was trying to set up contenders for Mariko Yoshida and for the uh, Queen of Arceon Championship. And the next matchup features a debut. Aw, we all love a rookie debut, don't we? Oh. Aoki Himada and Miki Akino, the soon-to-be dual star of Arceon Champions, take on Kandi Akutsu and the debuting Ai Fujita. I'm going to look up Ayajita and see how long she wrestled for because, you know, she didn't really pick the easiest path in life, but there we are. <laughs> what do you think of this match, John? Yeah, I've been throwing out murder a lot, but this felt like a hazing ritual because they beat oh. the absolute hell out of Fujita. Yeah, that's that's what most of the match is. It's just them pick like beating up Vegeta. It's, don't get me wrong; she gets the feel good win, but like, holy crap, do they put her through the paces? It's like if there was ever a feeling out process for if you can make it in a company, I'd feel like an Arceon debut would be that, just based on what they do to her here. Well, funnily enough, she was nicknamed Love Rookie which probably isn't the best of names to start your career with. Um, and she went on to be called um, the Sweet Brown Angel. 
she had a Firebird Splash as a finisher, which is impressive in herself. And is widely considered one of the best pro- best productions out of the RC on Dojo. But again, they had Miki Rikino and they had Aoki Hamada. So why did they need anyone else? Which is a bit of an unfortunate thing, but true story. Sorry to say. Do you see what I mean? Um, and Aoki Hamada and Miki Rikino did their absolute level best to get her over in this match as well, I think. Oh, 100%. Like, if you're going to babyface someone, just have them have to get the absolute hell beat out of them. It, it definitely works. <laughs> it's like, oh, God, this is... Why would you do this to yourself? Oh, she's won. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> there's yeah, debuts, and, get... and then there's debuts. And then there is a world championship match you will have to live to believe. The main event of this particular show was for the world for the Arceon Queen of Arceon Championship, and it featured Gami or Mikiko Futagami against Mariko Yoshida in a breathtaking professional wrestling match. This is the kind of match you want to show people when they say wrestling's not real, because <laughs> it's all about suspending disbelief. And this is this is unreal. This the stiff matches. And we know very much so that Joshi is always fighting uphill because they're girls and they they need to, you know, prove themselves, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But this was just ridiculously stiff. And it is just such a great piece of work as a professional wrestling match in its own right. But you have, at the time, the two biggest draws in Arceon and uh, as singles wrestlers. So it was really important for the company. And I think it was really kind of trying to get that Arceon shoot style across, and it did a cracking job of it. What's your thoughts on this one, John? Yeah, I, I think you covered it nicely. This this was amazing. Like, holy... <laughs> the North swearing rule really makes it difficult sometimes. It's just... <laughs> Action like this is insane. Like, the stiff and then the stiff. Like these two didn't hold anything back, and it's no. It's just two shooters being told, right? You've got X amount of time, go show them what you're made of, and yeah, turns out what you're made of is iron barbed wire and mad intentions. <laughs> and it's just innovation as well. Like there's um, a lot of different old style Wigan holds. Uh, you don't see very often in mainstream wrestling anymore these days. I'm looking at the minute. Marika Yoshida is using, I think it was Zack Sabre Jr. uses one of his maneuvers, the overhead choke with the leg and the arm, and the slow end of suplex variations and trips. There's a Watagame from Fuka, uh, from uh, Gami. Um, everything is evil to you, but in reverse. And then... Uh, um, at uh, backdrop drivers and it's like watching basically it's like watching a uwfi match but throw in the suplexes from all japan and it's a bit ridiculous to be uh, to be fair um and it gets to the point where they just no sell finishes like the air raid crash and the death valley driver just mean nothing to the biggest finishes in the company because they just keep getting up from it that that keyed up for this particular matchup and yushida ends up winning with a crooked lead scissors, which is a proper Wigan finisher. Like, 
lights out time. So this is how stiff this match was. So this is what you show people if you want to get if you want to if they complain about shoot style. It's like, no, oh, I don't like shoot style. It's boring. It, it's just ground stuff. It's like, all right, show them this. <laughs> you yeah. They don't run the ropes for the first five minutes of the match because they don't need to. They can make it compelling without that. Uh, there's a calf killer. I'm looking at the minute. You know, um, AJ Styles finisher. Uh, that's the that'll probably be the earliest I've seen it. Gammy in 9.99. You know, I don't think I don't think she invented it, but it certainly <laughs> I ain't seen it in mainstream wrestling for that particular point. What's up? Right, just been kicked in the face. <laughs> <laughs> They're taking this seriously. And they hold on to submissions for so long. They must have been so sore in the morning because these are serious submissions. These will hurt you, you know. It's, it's like um, Yoshida's trapped in a side headlock, I think it is, is one of the mm. most. And the ref, she's like, oh, you got to tap, oh, you got to tap. And to, like, she's obviously flailing around for the ropes and the back of her heels just clipped him in the face. <laughs> <laughs> Gammy's kicks as well. They're very uh, kind of Kenta-style kicks. You know, Kenta isn't particularly graceful with his kicks, but by gum, they're effective. <laughs> and Cammy's of that school. It's not yeah. this beautiful crescent crescent kick like you would see, say, Toa Henry give, who's very much into his technique and making sure he does things right. It's just hitting somebody really hard. I don't care how it looks. I just want it to connect. Yeah. And Yoshida's like transitions as well. She's like going from a cross arm lock and like float over one way, float over the other way to get the arm she wanted. It's just breathtakingly good to watch. It is. And again, it's really compelling. And they don't use the ropes for a good 10 minutes. <laughs> they do end up doing some fly flying stuff, but they don't really need it to make the match work. And the crowd is so hot for this match. And that's the, the one other thing you notice about Arceon is the fans are knowledgeable and they are so into what they're watching. They are so big fans of what's going on. Definitely. They, they got the best sort of market they could possibly have, it seems. Yeah, definitely. Oh, God, so we want just... to... Just as a final touch, she goes to celebrate by climbing the turnbuckle and she falls off because her legs done in. It's just <laughs> those are the details th- that you. Yeah, I don't think it's selling either. It just they just hurt that much. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I have put a playlist together, which we will add on to as usual. Um, the show uh, tweets and Facebook and Patreon stuff. And this playlist also features three other videos. One is a title match from the 18th of February. So this was before the other two. I should really put it at the top of the list. Uh, between Hiromo Yagi versus Marika Yoshida for the Queen of Arceon Championship at Kurokan Hall. Looks like we said was home base for them for a very long time. And this is another stiff affair, isn't it? I don't think it's quite as compelling as the last one. But it, it's definitely stiff. But I don't think also, to be fair to Yagi, she didn't have um, she didn't have the same experience as 
or didn't seem to have as much experience as uh, Gammy does. And she's not at the same level as Gammy. Even though she I mean she was she was six years into a career at that point, but to me she didn't seem to have as much um yeah, just as much kind of like presence as Gammy does. And just isn't as good a wrestler, to be fair. That's not as harsh, but it is it's true. <laughs> yeah, this one slightly felt like something was missing, and I think it's just because it came after us watching that last match. Yeah, like if I'd seen this yeah. one first, I'd have been like, "Yeah, that was that was pretty good," but just after seeing the Gammy match, you just kind of like, "Oh, this this draws a bit short in comparison to that." Yeah, I think that is the trouble. It's not really necessarily fair. It's a bit like <laughs> it was a bit like me watching the G One and then watching Impact on Friday nights, and it was like, "This isn't fulfilling me in the same way." You just don't like um, impact, though. I, I've gone back on impact. I think they're better than they were. I don't dislike it anymore. I actively disliked it for a very long time. But that was more to do with the people who were on the roster and just dreadful TV shows. Absolutely dreadful TV shows that were completely unfollowable and a commentary team that was like literally nails on a chalkboard to me. And at that point, why are you watching? If you're not enjoying it, you just you gotta stop. No one was paying me to watch it, so I had to make the decision of like, no, 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 can't. Um, I'm sure somebody likes Josh Matthews' commentary. Josh Matthews for a start. Um, <laughs> I think that's a bald claim. <laughs> He's not even the best commentator in his own house. So, but there you go. The, and yeah, ah, uh, anyway, let's move on to this match. So, Yagi versus Yoshida. It's very, it's again, it's very much in the ASEAN tra- tradition and the ASEAN style. It's very shoot orientated, but Yagi isn't the shoot fighter that Gami is, which is the reason why it doesn't quite gel together, I would say. Yeah, that's probably the main problem with it. Like, don't get me wrong, Yoshida's giving, giving it everything again. And Yagi's definitely sort of trying it, but it's just there is a bit of a disconnect between the two. It doesn't quite run as smoothly as you'd want. No, it but takes a while to get going. Because Arceon set such a high standard for itself. I think you're right, to be honest with you. Like, as well, I think a lot of their fame has come from the fact that they did a lot of high- highlight reels. Like there's a series of videos online, the history of Arceon, which was a commercial tape release, um, and of course it skipped the duff bouts and the comedy asides and the bits and pieces. Everything was dead serious, and very much so. The Queen of Arceon highlight tape, which is the which looks at the history of the Arceon title and Aoki Hamada, Queen of Arceon, um, is just the best bits. Some of those best bits are the best wrestling you've ever seen ever and that's the drop-off point because as soon as you drop from that slightly slightly worse standard than than what you're used to it suddenly becomes glaringly different it's the problem new japan are going through at the moment like in the sense of you went from tanahashi feuding with okada to kenny omega feuding with okada with some very very good senior wrestlers in between and as good as nato is 
he hasn't got Akada or Omega to wrestle, or even Tanahashi. So they're struggling to keep main events at the standard of expectation that they are, because the only people he can really wrestle who's left is Kota Ibushi and Jay White. And once he's done with them at Wrestle Kingdom, what do you do with him next? Hmm. Shingot. But this Shingo Takagi. <laughs> That's your answer to everything, is Shingo Takagi. It's because he tends to be a good answer to everything. Ah, you're not wrong. He was on commentary today at Best of Super Juniors. Man could do it all. Bloody <laughs> <man. That's> my <laughs> favorite thing. Shingo, of... Give it to Despy. Let's have Naito versus Despy. <laughs> do you know what my favorite thing about Best of Super Juniors today was? Hiroa Takahashi comes out with his strategy book. Like the little drawings they've done of every wrestler. Yeah. Oh, and he hands it. Yay. Sorry? That's back. He did it a couple of years. Yeah. He did it the yeah. same year he got injured, bless him. Yeah. And uh, he gave the, he gives the book to Milano Collection AT. And then Milano shows the strategy to the camera. And today's strategy against Robbie Eagles was thanks for coming. <laughs> 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 which was like brilliant and then they went out and barnstormer and turned Hurricane and hall down but anywho back to this <laughs> um yeah actually if you want to watch a good wrestling match this week you should watch robbie eagles versus hiroma takahashi it is really good to the point where hiroma takahashi started a chance for robbie eagles that's how good it was mm-hmm. um yeah um Moroki Yoshida and Hiromi Yagi again is a shoot style affair but the one thing you notice about Kurokan Hall and it's the 90s Kurokan Hall looks so cool because they had all the banners on the on the on the balcony uh, even for Arsion shows so you see all the direct the, the direct TV banner the Arsion banner the Reggie Bennett support sign banner direct TV must have put an awful lot of money into Japanese wrestling because as we were discussing last week they were also sponsoring FMW at the time it's because it was such a hot commodity. Like, wrestling's always been big in Japan. So I suppose even in the 90s, it'd still be putting a lot of money into the companies that showed the most promise. Like, FMW had to. an established fan base, and Arceon was becoming one of the sort of hottest products for the style it was bringing out. So I suppose if yes. you can afford to put the money into it, you've got nothing to lose in the sort of short term for doing it. No, I, also I just suppose you were correct. Sort of, whenever the hard cam's facing, you can just see Aja Kong and what looked like the board of directors just judging everyone. <laughs> <laughs> that must be horrible. It's like, oh God, she's watching. She doesn't look happy. <laughs> in the head of some, we've, we've got to up the stakes here. She's not happy. We're all going to die. <laughs> I feel God like is breathing back, down your neck. Just to go back to what we said before, like, Bad Arceon matches are probably still a lot better than any other company's bad matches. <laughs> Just because of, oh, yeah, sure. of the standards that they hold themselves to. It's like this match is by no means bad. It's just not quite as engaging as the previous one. No, that's it. This is this is the thing. It's it's um it's still very good what it is but it's just not it's not perfect which is what Arsene was aiming for all the time um, and that's the struggle isn't it 
yeah. when perfection when your perfection is your baseline standard, you kind of screwed on anything else. Um, and so yeah, we'll talk more about that in the tag team scene. To be honest with you, so we're going to look at the next bit, which was Yumi Fukawa, uh, Arsian from 1999, and her journey through Arsian. She made her debut against, uh, you know, Mariko Yoshida, which is obviously the right person you want to make your debut against, isn't it? And she oh. got right kicked in in 13 minutes. <laughs> to be fair, this, this tape is literally just Yumi Fukawa getting her head kicked in. There's... And then, yes. <laughs> it's just a continuous chronicle of losses. Mainly against um, uh, Yoshida, to be honest with you. I mean, losing to the ace of the company, sure, that that's not that big of like that. That's not a bad thing as such. The fact that you're no, continuously taking her to matches beyond two minutes, yeah, you're you're doing okay. But why why does this tape exist? <laughs> I'm so confused <laughs> by its existence. 14 minutes to 35 seconds where she got dropped on her head with uh, an air raid crash was the next one. Yeah, it is a bit weird. It's like, you're going to celebrate somebody's career. Fair enough, but maybe give her some wins. <laughs> like, right, we, we need to make a wrestling tape for masochists. Okay, what about yes. Yumi Sakawa's collection of losses? Right, that's it. They'll... God, and then Japanese you... wrestling really was a, appealing to the fetish market, wasn't it? We had FMW a couple of weeks back. We've got masochism here. Christ. Ray Tamada, Ray Tamada literally trying to drag and loop, screw, leg whip um, Fukawa's leg in two. Like, literally, this that's the seventh one she's taken on. Yeah, like, genuinely, who did she piss off? <laughs> like, this... Well, see, here's the thing, right? There is a long history of Rockies getting their heads kicked in. For a long periods of time. Referee stoppage, by the way. When was the last time you saw a referee stoppage? Uh, 1999. Three minutes and 25 seconds technical knockout to Reed Tamada. Um, uh, so, yeah, there's, um, there's a long history of you batter the rookies. The most famous is Kenta Kobashi. Giant Baba had him lose for 18 months straight. He lost every match for 18 months from his debut until his first win. But he knew the fans would love him for it. And they did. And they got behind him. And they rallied behind him. And when he won his first championship, the All-Asian Tag Team Championship, I think it was with Fuchi in... Uh, I think he was a... I can't remember. But they wrestled uh, Doug Furness and Phil Lafon, or Don Crawford as he was then. And it's one of the best tag matches you'll ever, ever see. Because the crowd, I've never seen a crowd so hot for it. It was Fuchi's hometown. He was a junior heavyweight. Kabashi had won like four matches. They had no hope. And they blew the roof off that building. So if you do it right, you can set up the greatest career of all time. Or one of the greatest careers of all time. If you do it wrong, it looks like you're beating somebody up for no apparent reason. Which I'm pretty sure this turned into considering the tip is <laughs> sayonara just like yes just yeah you, you you became a crash test dummy for a year or so <laughs> i do I, one thing i do like about arsion as well 
is they gave all the wrestlers licenses. Aja Kong was license number one. Yoshida was license number two. Omaki was license number five. Um, and, oh my God, what the hell is Yoshida trying to do to Fukawa there? Um, it's murder. It's, it's usually that, murder. <laughs> it, it, it looks like um, uh, orienteering with napalm death, but far more deadly. Um, <laughs> sorry? What's the timestamp? Um, tell me in a second. How long did that last for? Uh, when the titles come up, I'll tell you. But yeah, I, I think you can, you can like, and this is this is a tradition that kind of goes forward. They did the same thing with, um, oh, the ne- early big star in Stardom, whose name escapes me. I she was the, for the first. God, it yeah. really does look like orienteering with near palm death, but Jesus yes. Christ, that's nasty. Yeah, the I'm trying to remember. There was a lady in Stardom. The first, uh, she was the first big star of Stardom pro wrestling, and she was a, a model and a, an actress. Um, and she had her first match against Nana Takahashi, and more or less, Nana Takahashi physically beat her to a pulp um, because they wanted to get her over. And it worked. Um, basically, it was uh, who was it? Do, 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 do. I'm trying to remember who was the name. I found the. I'm sorry about this. It's one of the things I'm trying to remember. Starting um, is not my strongest point, so I cannot really help you there. Yusuke Akaiwa. There you go. Um. I think it was Yuzi Akawa. Um, yeah, so she was like, uh, basically, she was the kind of like sacrificial lamb to start the um, company, if you see what I mean. So she yeah. tried really hard to get the, the company over by essentially getting her head kicked in. Uh, Yuzi Akawa, yeah. Uh, she only had two or three years with the company, but that first match, she was absolutely slaughtered. She had black eyes and broken teeth. Um, but the whole point was to get her over as a babyface, and this is essentially what happened with Fukawa, but she just came in before. <laughs> Which should not be funny. If you got Yoshida choking you out on a fortnightly basis, why would you stay? See, it sounds like Kim... This is where Nolan Edward has taken his mon- like his strategy from. Considering <laughs> every match I've seen him in lately, he's just getting slaughtered. Like he um, True. he um did a Northland challenge at the last ICW Pit Fighter show, which is basically like wrestling in an MMA cage in a bar. Yeah. And Danny Math came out and just threw him at walls and beat the hell out of him for about 20 minutes to the point it made <laughs> people uncomfortable it was re- like this is people uncomfortable at a deathmatch company it's just like, <laughs> that's how far they were going and I'm, I think this might be where he's gotten his sort of like ideas from it's just right I'm young I'm gonna like even at the collective he challenged AJ Gray to a match, and AJ Gray kind of just killed him in like five minutes. And it was just Lariat after Lariat after like slam after just death. 
<laughs> so the formula well, is still apparently alive and well. Well, she did end up being part of one of the biggest angles in Arceon history because one day at Curricon Hall, the twin stars of Arceon champions, Aquino and Hamada, are having a six-man tag, and they notice up in the crowd would be Mima, Shimoda, Exuka, Mita, Los Cacajares Orientales, the Oriental bitches themselves, came to watch a match. And they actually kind of, like, brushed them off. And uh, the LCO were not happy with that. They came down to ringside and made an open challenge to any of the girls from Arceon. And Fukawa, who has more guts than brains, um, <laughs> made the open challenge with Rita Mada, who also has more guts than brains. And the closing of this match is the LCO making their debut against Fukawa and Rita Mada, which, let's be honest, was going to be a slaughter. Uh, what did you think of the slaughter? <laughs> oh, it's it's really quite just. I'm not sure you could describe it better. To be honest, it's it's just a slaughter. It's. I mean, read them out. They both try really hard, but it's the freaking LCO. And not just the LCO, LCO in their imperious stage. Exuka Mita drops one Death Valley driver, picks her up on two, and then delivers another one because she can. Yep, it's it's just not. Well, oh. that leads us now. Oof. Sack of spuds. Look at that. It's just not. It's not pleasant. <laughs> it's just it's not pleasant at all. <laughs> And then, to close off our playlist, we have the match. <laughs> As the LCO would introduce themselves in a final and brutal way to the good women of Arceon's roster, they challenge for the Twin Stars of Arceon Championships, Akino and Aoki Hamada, and pursue what is one of the best tag matches I've ever seen. It is absolute sheer effort from start to finish between two of the best tag teams the world's ever seen. And I, I don't care. I, a Midnight's Rock and Roll Express, Legion of Doom and the Steiner Brothers, I'll take them all and stack them up against this because this was on a different planet as far as professional wrestling went in the 1990s. Akino and Hamada were the rising young stars of the company. The LCO were Murder Incorporated. And when you pull them together, it was magic. What's your thoughts on this, John? Yeah, this this genuinely blew the roof off the damn place. This, this match was insane. Like, you were sort of like, oh yeah, you're going to love the last match. I'm like, hmm. And then, yeah, <laughs> there's, there's pastel-coloured chairs, a hell of a lot of blood, just straight-up violence. A lot of crowd killing, just you name it. The, this match has it all. <laughs> it becomes one of the most sort of underdog tag matches you've ever seen. As the LCO just sort of look to kill like Arceon's tag team champions. They're just, they're like, right, we can, we can kill you and we're going to kill you. There's, there's no two yes. bites about it. And it's. Christ, this, well, the, it gets rough. 
this is the thing about I love about Josh. It's the long-term storytelling. Mita and uh, Shimoda's relationship goes back to the dojo. They were both the class of ninety of eighty-seven under Akira Hokuto, and they were the overlooked ones because, as we've talked about on on the Beginner's Guide to Japanese Wrestling before, uh, Shimoda was put with Manami Toyota. Atsuka Mida was put with Toyo Tishio Yamada, and nothing clicked for Dreamwalker, and nothing clicked for the Tokyo Sweethearts. And Yamada and Toyota go on to the, these big stars, and Shimoda and Mita are left laying in their dust. And Akira Hokuto comes along, and the Tokyo Sweethearts are no more. And Akira Hokuto picks up uh, Atsuka Mita as her protege, and of course, my, Manami. Um, Toyota, not Manami Toyota, Manami Suzuki, her former tag partner in Marine Wars, is her other partner in ALCO. And Mima Shimoda begs to be a member of the LCO on national television in the middle of the ring. She has nothing left. She wants to be in the LCO because there is nothing left for her in professional wrestling unless she's a member of the LCO. And as Kokuto, treats them like shit for five years. <laughs> she literally cuffs them around the ear roll on national television for five years until she leaves to form Gaia, and then the LCO proper is born, and Mita and Shimoda take out all of their frustrations with Hokuto on every tag team they come across for the next seven years. If Shimoda hasn't put someone head first through a table in the first three minutes, they're having a bad day. <laughs> I have honestly never they've just spiked Aquino with a pile driver in like the first five minutes of the match not even five minutes of the match no they they have these they're just, they're just on a different planet they're on these 19th century Victorian style gowns with pastel chairs because they're the LCO and they can do what they like <laughs> it's just and vicious. They, it's it's so brutal. It's brilliant. It, I have I have never seen a tag team like the LCO. Not for a team that just loved violence, that just adored violence, that reveled in violence. The only team that come close are um Charlie Evans and Millie McKenzie. Those are the only only team. The Medusa Complex is the only team that's come close to the LCO in the last 20 years for me. Well, and they, You've heard it there first, folks. Medusa Complex yeah. are the resurrection of the LCO. I've told Charlie Evans and Millie McKenzie that. <laughs> <laughs> because they, they deserve to know. They're the best tag team on the planet right now, in my they personal opinion. They are really opinion. damn good. And um, when they can work together again, I would think I expect wonderful things from them. However, Aoki Yamada and Akino were just as good as the LCO were on the babyface side of things. This young, fresh tag team who are so talented and so athletic, and they just get cut in half and mowed down, and then they spend 20 minutes playing catch-up to keep their championships. And it's just that good. Sorry, John, I have, I have waxed lyrical for far too long. No, no, I, I think you're summing up our thoughts perfectly, to be honest, because obviously I adore the violence aspect of it, and you're here bringing out the technical aspect of it. It's just, oh, it's so good. It is. It is just outstanding. 
Ayuka Hamada at this point, and I think for the next five years, more or less, is the best wrestler on the planet. I think she has this purple patch, this Toyota-level, Kawada-level, Kabashi, Misawa-level purple patch that no one really talks about because it's in Arceon and in the dying days of Gaia and in the dying days of AJW. And I think it's unfair because Aoki Hamada, between 1999 and 2005, there is not a better professional wrestler in the world. Ooh. It's a big statement to say, but this is the start of that purple patch where she's just that good. Well, you she know, she lit parts perfectly in this match. Yeah. She she comes in on the heart tag, she gets the crowd back behind them, she picks the pace up tremendously. It's I can see where you're making the claim from. Yeah. I mean Aquino as well is breathtakingly good. Um, and still is. She's still a main eventer for uh, for Oz Academy and still has a heavy reputation amongst her peers, uh, just as Amada does. But I think, yeah, just this, time, this period in Arceon, uh, she was helped because she was the protege of Aja Kong, who was the lead booker. So obviously that does help. But you still got to earn that spot against the toughest competition in Joshi at the time. Oh, 100%. Nothing's ever handed to you in wrestling unless your name is McMahon. (laughs) So, John, what's your thoughts on uh, Arceon in 1999 overall? Yeah, this was a pretty great time period for the company. Obviously, overshadowed a bit by the sad loss that they suffered earlier on, like early in the year. But, like, from a sort of wrestling standpoint, this is some really high-class Joshi. They've got crowds that are interested in them. They've got high production values. They've got a roster they've got that's giving them everything they could possibly get. It's it's basically what you would merely describe as a perfect year, as I said, if not for the horrific death. Yeah, it is. It starts being a high point for the company, and... As they move into the next phase, which you'll see Hamada become the Queen of Arceon and the Twin Star of Arceon champion at the same time, she genuinely is carrying the company on her shoulders. But it's well worth watching for what's, what comes ahead in the year 2000, which I hope we will cover here on the Troopany show. But that pretty much wraps up our show for today. We hope you enjoy the playlist and we hope you enjoyed Arceon 1999. I'd like to thank Mr. John Dinsdale for his efforts today. I appreciate it, sir. Where can we find you on the internerds? You can find me at John Deathman on Twitter. That is the hell's gateway to anything you could possibly want. It's got links to writing, awful opinions, probably more links to the other podcasts I've been on here at the Troopany Show. You can find my writing at Steel Chair, where I'm covering death matches, Chaka Pro Wrestling, MLW, and anything else that kind of just takes my interest. And yeah, <laughs> Twitter, John Deathman, gateway to everything. You can find me at Sheriff Lone Star on Twitter. You can find the show Troopany Show on Twitter. And you can find us on Patreon and Facebook as The Troopany Show, where you can keep The Troopany Show free forever for everyone. Thank you very much. I'm not sure what we'll be looking at next week, but all week long I will be either having today at the Best of Super Juniors or today at the World Tag League, depending on what's going on on that day. But I am really looking forward to today's show 
because by if you listen to it tonight, Glor- Gorillas of Destiny versus uh, sorry, not Gorillas of Destiny, Finn Juice versus Dangerous Techers, the current World Tag League champions versus the IWGP Tag Team champions. That should be quite something quite special. They've pulled that. Just you've got to watch Finn Juice this week, just because they have literally gone back into every '90s and '80s wrestling tag team's finish maneuvers and have started doing them. They've won matches with the Doomsday Device. They even tried Power and Glory's Powerplex last week. It's oh, just that, brilliant. That's a, yeah. an, an obscure one. <laughs> they didn't quite get it right because when Herc and Roma did it, Herc would get the suplex off just as Roma got off the top rope. So it all kind of like happened together in one go. Um, but yeah, they go in there. They but the, the they added the Doomsday Device is their new finisher, which I think is awesome. Paying tribute to Animal there, which is really really cool. Uh, but yeah, so uh, enjoy the shows from this week. We should have the Wrestling Rewind back with us this week as well. There was a big dump of the Wrestling Rewind. We're all caught up on the Wrestling Rewind now. All of the shows are on the True Finish Show channel. Thank you for giving us eight thousand listeners this month. I really appreciate it. That has been fantastic. Um, the shows this year have been really, really cool, and it's been nice to see our numbers ever increasing and growing week on week, which I have to thank you for, John, as well. Really? Apparently I'm a draw now. Hey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. All right, then. Take care, and we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye.